Welcome to Ethan in Action. I'm your host, Ethan Bell. I'm by myself today. Gonna cover a movie that no one really talks about anymore, which is really unfortunate. In my opinion, Tom Cruise's best role. So let's jump into it. Collateral was directed by Michael Mann. Cinematography by Dion B. Abbey and Paul Cameron. Stunt coordinator is Joel Kramer. So let's talk about Michael Mann, the director. If you like Heat, you should love Collateral. They feel like they're in the same world. This is going to sound a little artsy-fartsy, but he doesn't really create movies, per se, like straight action thrillers. He creates an experience. <laughs> He creates this like 3D world where these cool characters walk and breathe in. And he's been doing this ever since the movie Thief. He likes to shoot at night. He said the reason for that is a city just looks cooler at night, to be honest. When you take out the sun and it's just darkness, it automatically puts this lid on all these characters to create that 3D environment of an urban concrete jungle, if you will. He wants to make you feel like these characters are like rats in a maze. Only the greats can really pull it off where it's big commercial movies covering this art house cinema open to interpretation. Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, Michael Mann. Heat is not an action thriller. It's an epic art house movie. Dunkirk, art house movie. Pretty much all of Martin Scorsese's work art house movies. Collateral, despite coming off as a high-octane thriller, it's really a psychological breakdown of these two characters, of a hitman and a cab driver. In traditional Michael Mann form, they're diametrically opposed. Not so much their jobs, but their ideologies. Max, the cab driver, he's basically a loser let's be honest he's he knows his thing he does want to go out of his comfort zone he drives his cab and he's happy with that even though he lies to everybody says he's gonna start a business that's never gonna happen then you got vincent played by tom cruise who's a hitman who likes to roll with it i ching improvise dangerous very interesting stuff now michael mann is known to put a lot of detail in things um, for his different characters. He likes to give them mythological level backstory that we never really see on camera. He only does it for the purpose of their performances. In this movie, Vincent, played by Tom Cruise, who is a hitman, he basically told Tom Cruise his entire life, like Vincent's entire life, what he was thinking when he was in grade five or when he was 11 years old he even gave him like pictures of the house he grew up in the school he did uh the school he went to sorry and i love it it works because his character is so layered in this movie fun fact the movie heat i know most of you who listened to this probably saw that movie plenty of times did you know that al pacino's character is actually a cokehead yeah, it's you don't see it in the movie, but what he does is he does coke to stay sharp so he can catch his enemies or criminals. 
And the only thing that really represents that in the movie Heat is his outbursts. Give me all you got! And she's got a huge ass! And my TV! <laughs> That's basically him freaking out on coke. Just a little detail that Michael Mann put in there just to add layers to the Pacino character. Definitely one of my favorite directors, but, you know, I gotta be honest about the guy. He definitely kind of fell off right around Miami Vice, even though i definitely grown to love that movie. Director's Cut. Public Enemies, Black Hat, those movies kind of were the downward trajectory of the master, unfortunately. Um, people didn't really take to them, didn't relate to them as well as Heat. Well, I guess Collateral, because no one ever talks about it. Weird. I think part of it has to do with his transition from film to digital. To the uninitiated, film is where you actually use film. Um, 35 millimeter film is the standard in Hollywood um, for a while. Here's the thing about film. No playback. Meaning you're shooting blind. You don't know what it's going to look like until they develop it the next day. And that's why when you shoot on film, your shots count. And film directors need to make sure every shot is perfect. And pray <laughs> that it turns out great when they develop it the next day. In comes digital. Cameras that show exactly what you're looking at, exactly what you're going to get, and you can instantly play back to see how that tick was. Sounds good, right? Here's the thing about that. I feel that when directors are given that type of freedom, they kind of get lazy. You know, they don't have to make sure every shot's perfect or every framing is right. They kind of get lazy and fall into the, you know what, we'll just get coverage. All right, get the shot, get the shot, get the shot. Yeah, it's good. Another director I can kind of point out is Michael Bay. You can bear his first early movies, The Rock and uh, Bad Boys, where he had to plan everything precisely compared to his later movies like Transformers, where the shots are all over the place. You don't know the geography whatsoever because he's just, he became a run and gun kind of guy. And I think that's what happened to Michael Mann himself. And I think it all started with here in Collateral. Most of the movie was still shot on film. The times that they did use digital was primarily for the night shots because film cameras have a hard time capturing landscapes and images in low light. That's why a lot of the city shots in Collateral are mostly digital. You know, and then later on, Christopher Nolan goes, hey, hold my IMAX camera. <laughs> it makes all those Batman movies. <laughs> yeah, well, IMAX is a little bit different. So, back to this movie. What happened was, he kind of fell in love with digital a little bit too much. And you notice there's a lot more handheld shots, a lot of shaky cam. Say what you will about it. I personally think it felt was fine for this movie. It was great. It's just when you go to Miami Vice where he kind of really went for it and then you got Public Enemies which felt like the real world. It was just a bit too much. Then Black Hat was more, more down that well. If you really want to know what I'm talking about, look at the shootout scene in Heat. The one everybody talks about. The famous shootout scene on the street. Compared to Black Hat, same director, there's another shootout scene in Hong Kong. The difference. The one in Heat, all the shots are precise. They're on a tripod. Every movement makes sense. Black Hat, it's literally just 
four or five cameras shooting whatever's going on, and he's just telling the actors to go, 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 go. <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm hating on Michael Mann here, but you know what? I'm just saying how it is. I I think that's part of the reason why his style changed, and people don't really like it. Then back to collateral. Villain role. When's the last time you've ever seen him in a villain role? I can't remember anything. Maybe like, I think Taps, he was kind of a bad guy, like way back in the day. He is absolutely terrifying in here. I can talk more about it when we do the uh, Raider villain. Another fun thing I want to talk about is Mark Ruffalo. This is actually my first exposure to Mark Ruffalo. Uh, He plays the cop who is the only one that believes in Jamie Foxx that he's not the killer. Um, instantly, I was drawn to this guy. He has this way of like making his characters have like a certain body language, like a, almost like a head tilt that he kind of does in every role if you think about it. Because even in The Avengers, his first time as Hulk, he always had that little head tilt thing that he does. Um, or even... Um, spotlight where he does that little mouth thing while he's tilting his head great actor Aviar Bardem I totally I I keep forgetting he's in this movie <laughs> he's only in one scene he plays a cartel boss who is the one that hires Tom Cruise at a nightclub scene keep forgetting he looks totally different he's got like a buzz cut all menacing and shit talking with this like well, I guess he always has an accent. But, you know, Mexican accent. He's like a, car- a cartel boss. Good stuff. So this movie really only has two action scenes. First one I'm going to start off with is the nightclub shootout. The setup for this one. Tom Cruise stars as hitman Vincent. A man doing five hits for the cartel in one night. He makes cab jumper Max. Driving around for all five hits. Target number four is a Korean guy in a Korean nightclub. However, both the cartel and police think, think Max is Vincent. All hell breaks loose. Alright, so this scene is a bit of a precursor to John Wick's nightclub shootout scene, in a way. Um, you got this assassin who's so precise in his movement and his aim. Like, I don't think he hit any innocent person. Like, he, whoever he shot was his target. It was really everybody else fucking shooting everybody. What I really like about the scene is that it shows all the players and it shows all their motivations. You got Vincent coming in uh, using Max as a dummy, if you will. You got the cartel coming in aiming for Max and the police trying to arrest Max. And you got the Koreans being all confused. Tom Cruise gets to do this pretty sweet takedown where he punches this guy in the kidney. Then he face grabs him, um, throws him down. And I think stomps on his face. Yeah, that guy's dead. (laughs) Oh, he dead. (laughs) So back when I watched this scene in 2004, um, it's a nightclub. There's a fight and everybody's looking and no one's screaming or reacting. And I found that a bit weird. I was a bit younger back then, so I didn't really know how life works. Um, But then I worked for Bouncer in a nightclub and I know how it works. So... Why no one does anything or reacts. It is called the bystander effect, folks. Don't know what that is? Look up Kitty Genevieve's murder. It is the most disturbing example of bystander effect. The story of Kitty Genevieve is she was murdered in front of an apartment building. And everybody in that apartment building watched and no one called the cops. 
The reason why no one did, because no one else would. Hence, the sheep, if you will. I know that term is really popular nowadays with COVID. Sheep! <laughs> so yeah, that's why no one did anything, because... They probably look to the left, they look to the right, and, oh, you're not going to say anything? Not going to? Okay, cool. We'll just let Tom Cruise kill this, uh, I think he was a bouncer. Uh, Stop at his head. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. (laughs) All good. Um, Throughout the movie, Tom Cruise gets to do his double tap, two in the chest, one in the head. Pretty cool seeing him do it in a nightclub setting, not going to lie. There's something about shootouts in nightclubs. I know I said on the John Wick episodes that I'm not, I always feel uncomfortable with that. But the style here is so cool. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know, you need to know. Michael Mann basically invented Grand Theft Auto without even knowing it. <laughs> if you ever played GTA V, all that style, all those missions, all the way they talk is from Michael Mann movies. Thief, he collateral. <laughs> but yes, cool style. Mark Ruffalo shows up, gets shot. Which is pretty sad because he was the only one that believed Max. He's like, I believe you. Don't worry. I'll get you out of this. Uh, Bit of a nitpick. I have no idea how Vincent got out of the nightclub before Jamie Foxx and Mark Ruffalo. Because wasn't he like still fighting and shooting guys? And they got to like walk through a crowd of people. (laughs) Then all of a sudden Tom Cruise is like, hey, shoots Mark Ruffalo. Very interesting character, Vincent. Sociopath, hitman, will kill anybody. But him meaning Max does something to him. And I'll touch on that in a bit. So to rate this nightclub shootout, I will give it a 5. Not on the level of heat shootout, but just as good style-wise. Just different. It's same, same, but different. That's the term people use, right? Same, same, but different. Next big set piece I have is the finale. The setup... Max crashes his cab with Vincent inside. The two survive, but Vincent runs off. Max realizes the final target is this lady played by Jada Pinkett Smith that he met earlier that day and flirted with. He comes to her aid and shoots Vincent in the cheek. Infuriated, Vincent gives chase. This scene was terrifying. (laughs) There's just something about that glare Tom Cruise gives you. It's like this dad glare. Like if your dad is really disappointed in you and he glares at you. <laughs> oh. Um. So the part where Tom Cruise throws the chair at the glass. And then I guess according to Michael Mann, this was improvised by Tom. He decided to jump on the chair <laughs> And for whatever reason, but he ends up falling on his ass. And Michael Mann thought that was so weird. (laughs) He decided to keep it in because it was kind of funny. So the foot chase goes all throughout the building, down to the train station, which is the same one as Speed, by the way. It is L.A. L.A. isn't really big. Um, Yeah, same one as Speed finale here. Now. There is a film language. I know Michael Mann's not the first one to do this, but I'm just going to point it out to pretend I'm cool. So there's a bit of film language going on here where the when the shots are on Jaden Pinkett Smith and Jamie Foxx while they're running away, it's all handheld because they don't know what they're dealing with. They're afraid. They don't know where to go, which direction, where he's coming from. 
But when the shots are on Tom Cruise, stable, steady, locked on on tripod. They also did that in the movie seven. Anyways, <laughs> um, when they get to the subway, when Tom Cruise jumps on the subway and that camera just handheld goes right into Tom Cruise's face while he's standing outside the, the subway. Fucking scary, man. <laughs> Tom Cruise in a gray suit with a bloody face. <laughs> just glaring. <laughs> oh. Now, let's talk a little bit about Vincent's character. Uh, according to Michael Mann and Tom Cruise himself, this one night that he spends with his cab driver, Max, kind of breaks him down because he he's the charming sociopath, does his mission, gets out. But when he meets Max... The, it tears at him because he sees hints of a life that he could have had and didn't want to have or may wanted to have. Ah, psychology. Talk more about it in a bit. Anyways, this part of the movie, um, according to Tom Cruise and Michael Mann, he is completely broken down because he's been breaking down throughout the entire movie because of all these situations he's been experiencing. And this is where he shows his true self. He's basically a monster. And that's kind of similar to the movie Drive, if you really think about it. How he's trying to be a good guy, but he's really a monster. He's that scorpion that sting you in the back. All this leads to a head where they both shoot at each other through the door. Max isn't looking and he gets a lucky shot in Vincent. Man, I'm not going to lie. Despite how frightening... Tom Cruise is in this movie. I was actually really sad that he died. <laughs> I wonder what other people were. <laughs> kind of like kind of like Training Day where even though Denzel is the bad guy, but you're still kind of rooting for him. And I was sad when he died too. Maybe I just like bad guys. I don't know. You let me know. Just send me a DM or something. But I mean, even Jamie Foxx was like, hey, um, Next stop's in a few minutes. I guess he was trying to get him to the hospital. And then that heartbreaking line that Tom Cruise gives. Guy dies in the MTA. Anybody notice? It's not the exact line. I totally ad-libbed that. But you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't know, rewatch that movie. <laughs> heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Let's talk about the sequence of events here. The film geek in me will put on my analogy hat. So Vincent gets shot. He dies. And they leave him sitting on a train as it drives away. While Max and Jada Pinkett Smith, don't remember her name, comes off the train. I have an Eastern view on things. Partly because I am Asian and I was raised half Catholic, half Buddhist. Plus I watch a bunch of... Asian movies going up where it's all about Buddhism and fate and determinism. I found this really interesting. My interpretation of the language of this scene, and I know I could be completely wrong. My theory is that this is about fate. The train track that they're on is like a predetermined destiny for these characters. A predetermined fate. Vincent was destined to die by the cold path in life that he led, whereas Max was able to defy his fate of being a loser, driving cab forever, and he got off the tracks. 
<laughs> yeah. That's what I think of it. Overall, I give the scene a five. Absolute masterclass in filmmaking. Next up, we have Rate Our Hero, Max played by Jamie Foxx. I gave him five. Pretty interesting character. They didn't make him as a clear-cut good guy. Yeah, they made him the relatable guy trying to make his way through life, being a cab driver. But they also had this layer of him being like a liar. Like, he lies to people and himself and his mom. What a loser. Like, he says he's going to start this limousine company. Oh, this cab thing's just part-time. He tells his mom that he's not a cab driver. He actually drives famous people around. Like, he flat-out lies to his mom for years. And not to mention to himself, because he's driving this cab for 12 years. And he's never going to start that company. Like, Tom Cruise, his character, tells him that. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, like they they made him like a loser and like a almost slightly narcissistic because he can't handle the truth. Hmm. Very interesting. But then at the end where he finally stands up to um, Tom Cruise, where he basically says, you don't you can't understand anybody or something along those lines. But overall, well done. I enjoyed him. Next up, we got rate our villain. Vincent, played by Tom Cruise. I believe this is his best role. On numerous rewatches, I keep wondering if he would have kept Max alive by the end of the movie. If he had pulled off all his hits, would he have let Max live? I don't think so. There's a throwaway line that Max, I'm oh sorry, Mark Ruffalo's police officer character says where he talks about a cab driver that went insane killed five people and killed himself like a, a year ago i mean it's pretty clear that that's vincent's mo where he just hijacks the cab driver makes him drive him around for all these hits then kills the cab driver and frames the cab driver it's almost like the perfect crime but yeah i don't think so even though he definitely had a connection with max throughout this movie on um, the experiences they had such as when he visited max's mom there was a hint there was a tint of jealousy there because he never had a mom. He had a different life. He didn't have loving parents. His mom died at childbirth. His dad was apparently a psycho. Um, side note. Apparently Tom Cruise's real dad was. He didn't like him either. That scene in. Magnolia. Where he is bitching at his dad. Who's dying of cancer. That was an acting folks. <laughs> Google it. Anyways back to this. Um, so yeah, according to Man and Tom Cruise himself, the, the experiences he has in this one night is breaking his demeanor down each time. And I think the first time you see it is when he kills that jazz, that jazz player where even though he, where he asked him a jazz question and he said if he got it right, he'll let him live. But even though he got it right, he still killed him. You can see it when he catches the guy's head and places it down gently on the table. Look at Tom Cruise's face. His cold demeanor breaks for like two seconds. Like literally breaks. Like you can see it in his acting. And then he shakes it off. Like, like he puts back on that mask. Fantastic acting. Fantastic. This type of acting reminds me of Tony Lung Chi Wai. Um, the guy who in Infernal Affairs, the original departed, 
the undercover guy, and also in the, our hard-boiled episode. Come to think about it, Infernal Affairs and Collateral are actually a pretty good combo. If you ever want to do like a one-two crime thriller, watch Infernal Affairs on Netflix, currently in Canada, and Collateral on Amazon Prime. You'll have a great night. Trust me. But yes, a five. Total five. And also, I got to talk about his training. He did train for three months in gun training, just like Keanu did now. Uh, Michael Mann was really the first one guy I can think of, first director, who made his actors go through that training. Because I know a lot of you know the guys in Heat, James Conn and Thief, they all did the same thing. They did uh, gun training. And also, because Tom Cruise's character is supposed to, is supposed to be an assassin that can drop in, drop out, and disappear. He actually got him to go undercover to deliver FedEx packages and not be noticed. It's pretty funny. <laughs> the lengths these people go. <laughs> All right, next thing I want to talk about is the coyote scene. It's the scene leading up to the nightclub where Max is driving Vincent in the back, and they stop in the road, and a lone coyote just crosses the road and both of them have a moment both jamie fox and tom cruise just look at that coyote and they shared this weird psychological this strange experience together you can see it in their face they both look at it and they both interpret it either the same way or different way I'm going to assume they both had the same interpretation, just to make it cooler. <laughs> um, a lot of theories on this. I mean, you, you go on the YouTube comments, you can go down Reddit, you can read it all. Um, such as the, the coyote is supposed to resemble Vincent in the urban landscape of L.A. is L.A., oh, wow. <laughs> or um, the natives believe that if you cross that coyote's path, um, like his walking path, there is only death. My personal interpretation is, again, I have that eastern lens on things, is that both of them have a desire to be free. Despite what Vincent says, he is not free. Because he knows. The trauma that he has experienced in his life led him down this path of destruction that he can't get off. And obviously Max is a cab driver who is, he doesn't want to drive a cab. He wants to do something else, but he just can't. So when both of these two see that coyote, they see an animal that is free from the stress of being a human being. Free from the jungle that is Los Angeles. That's just my interpretation. Could be completely wrong. Believe it or not, this movie has connections to other movies, either thematically or actual connections. So the movie Heat starts off at the train station, same train station that ends in Collateral, by the way, and it ends at the airport, the LAX, whereas Collateral starts off at LAX, the airport, and ends up on a train station. <laughs> Is that cool? <laughs> Next uh, fun little connection, even though I find it a little bit weird if you really think about it too hard, so don't. The opening scene where Tom Cruise is coming off his airplane, he bumps into Jason Statham. And Jason Statham gives pass. They basically trade briefcases. So, 
Michael Mann has been a bit coy on this, but the creator or the director of the first Transporter movie confirmed it. Jason Statham is supposed to be Frank Martin from The Transporter. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> so The Transporter and Collateral are in the same universe. <laughs> weird. But kind of cool. Kind of cool. Well, that is it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back. Bye. Music for Ethan and Action is done by Mason Tickle. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, share, and we'll be back.